This is Afterbirth, the fourth and more postpartum support group brought to you by Preggers Can Be Choosers. In this podcast, we offer peer-to-peer support, not paid psychotherapy. We try to offer support and personal experiences over solutions. If you find yourself in need of more support, the Postpartum Support International or PSI Warm Line is 1-800-944-4773. You can also send a text message to 503-894-9453. English and Spanish options are available. If you'd like to join our conversation live, we meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? You can sign up for text alerts at www.preggers.rock. Lastly, if you find this podcast helpful, please consider sponsoring this group for 99 cents a month. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family who may find it helpful too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Boom. Hey everybody, this is Rowan with Preggers Can Be Choosers, and this is the Afterbirth Fourth and More Trimester Support Group. If you're pregnant, we want you. If you're postpartum, we want you. If you're thinking about getting pregnant or you're seven years postpartum, we still want you. We're here to just kind of navigate all this together. We're a very inclusive and open group, so if you want to be here, we want you. Let's see, I'm a licensed CPM here in Houston, Texas. I'm one of the co-founders and originators of Preggers Can Be Choosers. I'm a licensed CPM. My sister, Dr. Blythe, is our mental health director and she's a psychologist. And I also have a practice partner named Mary Bratcher, who's a student midwife and also prenatal uh, massage therapist also. I think that's it. Today it's Tuesday, October the 6th, and I can't even believe it's October. And the most exciting thing is that Caitlin's uh, baby had his uh, third or fourth birthday. I think it's the third, is that right, Caitlin? The third, the third birthday. on 10-4, which we always are excited about, like 10-4. So I always say, hey, it's the good buddy's birthday today. So I think that's all I got right now. Oh, and the weather's glorious in Houston. And it's a very short window of when the weather's glorious. So like we're all just kind of losing our mind about it. So that's me. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself as you'd like. Hey, I'm Caitlin. I have a now six-year-old and three-year-old. Uh, my husband, well, my husband turned had his birthday on Saturday and my son had his birthday on Sunday. So it's been a busy birthday weekend. Um, But we're doing great. We're spending tons of time outside because, oh my gosh, this is glorious outside. It's just glorious. So uh, doing that and that's helping a lot with my mental health as well as just taking a break from as much news media and social media as possible for my mental health right now. Hi, I'm Tiffany. Um, I'm a mom of two girls who are four and six, and they started virtual school back in September. Um, I am under the weather today. Um, Pretty sure it's not COVID. I don't have a fever, but I have like headache and um, congestion and nasal drip. So it's probably just allergies or possibly a cold. My husband's birthday is tomorrow, so the girls think that we're going to be, like, baking all day. So we'll see how that goes, because it could be just, I don't know, tasty cakes from the wrapper. Um, But, yeah, so hopefully this clears up soon. And hi, I'm Lindy. I've got, uh, let's see. One kiddo who's nine years old with special needs, and I've got a two-year-old, and I am busy, busy. I'm going to be on the go, moving, and having y'all in my pocket while I, uh, while I keep keep the household running this morning. Thanks for uh, for having us. Lindy, is there anything that you need help with today? Like, we all know each other pretty well. So is there anything that you came to group with wanting to look at or get support with? Oh, great. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I had a lot, a lot of um, miscarriages, and I had a really hard uh, birth with my second child. With my first one, we, um, I was able to use the midwives 
downtown and it was an amazing incredible experience that I adored and loved and I turned high risk after let's see a miscarriage in my second trimester and then about a billion chemical pregnancies and so when I was uh when I was able to carry um, my daughter to term, who's now two years old, um, <clears throat> I had to work with uh, an OB. Um, and my, my mom told me today, she said, Lindy, I think you have PTSD from that birth experience. Uh, so I'm just really struggling with it. My two-year-old just had a birthday uh, a couple weeks ago. And I hate, hate, hate that I just hit this kind of depression when her birthday comes, I, oh my gosh, I'm tearing up now. Um, I love her so much and I just felt so betrayed by this physician and the birth experience was not what I wanted. I ended up getting an epidural, um, which I didn't want. I know it fits for some, some women. It, it's, it wasn't my first choice. Um, my husband wasn't there much cause he was at home taking care of our special needs child. And it just, Oh, <laughs> so I guess I'm trying to figure out what answers I'm looking for to help find some peace. Because, um, man, I would love for her birthday to come around and for me just to be happy and excited about it instead of this weight and this sadness. Um, and so I've, uh, I've just got a lot of a lot of sadness surrounding the birth of my children so I, I would love to turn that around if possible and you guys were recommended so i'd love to have any any insight y'all might have all right that's a good place to start lindy um we were kind of talking about that maybe a little bit before the group started because of caitlin's son's birth and talking about what were regrets and what were what were positives and I want to say that OBs and midwives like obstetrical violence can happen with any provider and um, I hear about it a lot both from midwives or even in the um, freestanding birth community where they're unassisted or obstetrical so there's no route that's without risk or that's completely safe because what everybody's needs are a little bit different for each person and I think the thing that I think about the most and this is a reoccurring theme for me is a term called harm reduction and also shared decision making. Every time I think like shit went sideways, it's when, even when like the birth was like, you know, it was out of control. There was no reason there's no, it was no negligence or anything on anybody's part. When I think about when people feel the most trauma from it, it's that there wasn't shared decision making. And I'm certainly not, there have been times where I've like, I'm giving you the shot in your thigh. I don't care if you want it or not. Like I'm doing this to like keep you alive. And that's when I didn't do a good job about discussing shared decision-making, but that's in a, an emergent situation, but non-emergent situations where somebody feels coerced or whatever around decision-making, maybe that's where we can start. It's a good point to place to start from today. Um, and I'll just throw it open to you, both Caitlin and Tiffany. And I just want to say that we're a home birth and midwifery supportive, but that's not the right route for anybody. And even a chosen surgical birth, like if that's what you want, like I don't care, because our, our platform here is choosers. Whatever you choose, that's what we're down for. So I'm going to let you guys take it over from here. Hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it. Getting back to our real talk after birth style. So um, I've shared this before in group. Uh, my first was a, is what's called a home birth cesarean, um, where we had planned an out-of-hospital home birth, and then we ended up needing to transfer, and it ended in cesarean. Um, it was a five-day labor journey, um, and I still had a lot of support, um, but even with the support, like, it just, it went from plan A to plan C, um, and it was, it was really hard for me um, because I felt like I had failed. I felt like I had done all these planning things. I had done all this other stuff. Um, and I didn't get anything close to what I had wanted and hoped for. Um, personally, things that helped me were I found a group called Homebirth Cesarean um, and they gave a lot of help on healing um, but things that really helped me were writing out my birth story because it was uninfluenced by anyone else. Um, 
so I could put it down and have like an actual record of it, even if it's just for myself, whether I share it with anyone or not. And then I did see Dr. Bly's two sisters um, for two years, um, not just for my birth, but for lots of other stuff too um, that has happened in my life. Um, but I found that ha just talking about talking about my birth and my birth experience was helpful, um, if only to unburden it of myself and just help have somebody else help carry the weight. Um, that wasn't my husband, that wasn't um, at my birth because they all had their own experience of it and my husband had trauma from it that, um, because he had to watch me go through all of it and then he had to sign paperwork and he had to, you know, he had his own experience of it. So I needed some other third party to bear it with me, I guess. Um, and that was helpful. So if you have any questions about any of any of my specifics or any anything else, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book on this platform. So. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna be, can y'all still hear me? Yeah, okay, great. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna be bl uh, turning off and on my video just so I'm not distracting with my kids here. I'm still here, I'm still listening. Um, I heard your story and I'm so sorry that it went sideways for you. That's gotta be um, hard. That seems like such an inadequate word, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but yes, I'll, uh, I'll think about that. And uh, as, I'm, as I'm juggling these other conversations, I'll pipe up with some questions. I really appreciate that, Caitlin. Thank you so much. I also want to say my, my oldest is now six. He's my six-year-old and time has helped. I know that, that that's like one of the worst answers, but just time and reflection does help. Like just, and I was really sad the first few years that his birthday came around and this year, like, or I guess it was his third birthday. I was finally really excited to celebrate his birth because I was I got to a, a different place of healing but it took work it did take work to get there um, I agree with Caitlin like the more that you can talk about it and share it with an objective party like she said that didn't occur to me like people who were not there because they have their own experience of you know what they witnessed and um whatever how they helped you or you know if they were there for the end or not um one thing that really helped me especially with birthdays i get very overwhelmed with the kids birthdays because it's all, you know, birthday parties and expectations and inviting people into your house and feeding them and all that. So I tend to cry every time that one of them has a party just because it's so overwhelming for me. And I do, you know, of course I love my kids and I, I want to see them happy. And, you know, giving them that party sometimes is a little bit overwhelming for me as the parent. Um, I can't remember who said this to me, but on my first daughter's first birthday, um, you know, they were congratulating me because I was the one that gave birth. And every birthday that they go through, I make sure to kind of like reflect and celebrate myself because I went through whatever experience to bring them into the world and that should be celebrated. Um, I know that for you, it's a little bit different because you know it was traumatic for you, but um, she's here and <laughs> that's something to be grateful for. And really like coming to this group helped tremendously. Um, having other moms and women to be able to share the story or share my feelings or troubles, people who knew what I was going through, but maybe not necessarily knew me personally, um, it just made me feel a lot better.
yeah, that, that's, um, thank you for that, Tiffany. The, uh, the, the idea of being vulnerable with strangers is sometimes easier than being vulnerable with people that I really know. Um, <clears throat> so that's, uh, I, I found you guys just through the, uh, I don't know, can I, I, I don't know how much of this is going to be aired. Um, but I found y'all through the Happy Houston Hippies just yesterday, and I'm like, oh great, I'm gonna cancel my kids, uh, you know, Zoom playdate or postpone it so I can do this. Um, and I'm just so excited to to have have this opportunity and to hear from other moms because I realize I have I've been doing this all in my own head, um, and I don't know any other moms who have gone through this in this way. Um, so I don't forget there there was a, a comment. Tiffany, I wanted to say, uh, I wanted to reply to you, and then also Rowan, so I don't forget. Um, <clears throat> Tiffany, I don't know if you're talking about your own daughter. You were grateful that she was here, but you use the pronoun she, and um, my own daughter is, is two years old, and I am. I'm so, so grateful she's here. <clears throat> what I struggle with, and what I said to my sister the other day was, you know, I don't know, and this ties into what Rowan was saying, I don't... <clears throat> If I had to choose either my daughter being here and having a horrible experience with an OB or having a great experience with a midwife and my daughter not being here, of course I would choose a horrible experience with an OB. And then I thought and I said, but you know what? Why does it have to be either or? Why couldn't I have her here and have a great experience at the same time? And that ties into what Rowan was saying, which was, um, in my experience with this OB, I did not feel like I was part of the decision-making. As much as I went in there and I had a birth plan and I said, this is what I want. Um, you know, she knew I was on, <clears throat> she knew I was on blood thinners from the beginning because I have a clotting disorder. And she didn't tell me until three weeks before the delivery that she was going to induce me. And that that's not how I wanted it to go for me and I felt like if she knew I was on blood thinners the whole time that she knew the whole time that she was going to induce me and she was not forthright with that um and you know I I'm with a special needs kid I'm, I'm definitely medical I'm up, I'm up to date on my stuff and I research and I advocate and I was advocating for myself too <clears throat> and I know that there are other options when delivering besides, you know, whenever it comes to blood thinners. And I said, okay, well, what if I switched over to this medicine, which has a less chance of hemorrhaging, et cetera, et cetera. She's like, oh, you can't get that medicine in this part of the country. And that struck me as odd. And I left the office and I did some research and I called the pharmacy at their location. They're like, yeah, we've got it on the shelf. And so to me, I was like, okay, either she's straight up lying to me or number two, she doesn't know what medicine her own pharmacy can provide. And both of those scenes just struck me as odd and struck me as manipulative. So yes, Rowan, what, what you said about that communication between provider and patient, I, I did feel like I was, she was not honest with me. And I think that's what it keeps coming to. You know, if you had a blip with a friend and something went wrong, you could go and you could talk to them, you could talk it out and say, you know, whatever, put your heart on your sleeve. But I'm not going to do that with this OB. And so I'm having struggles trying to get past that. Why somebody would have to do that kind of power over a patient. So in the home birth cesarean group I'm in, something a lot of, of birthing people have chosen to do is write a letter to their provider. Because some of them were have trauma from their midwives, some have trauma from when they transferred. Um, and they don't always send it, but it's again, a, a way that I've seen as a common, a commonality of just putting your emotions on paper addressed towards a particular, towards that particular wrong, right? Um, and because it helps us reflect on those, those emotions that we didn't maybe know that were um, built up and, like I said, for me, writing out my birth story was really helpful because that was me diving into my own emotions towards the whole thing um, in a deep dive. Anyway, that's, it's just, I only offer that not as a solution, but as something I've seen help others 
often. Thank you for that. Uh, that means I'd have to find some time away from the kids. <laughs> but no, I, I, <laughs> I understand your sentiment. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something I'll, I'll think about. Maybe I can text it to myself at night while I have the kids go to sleep. You get creative as a mom, right? <clears throat> wanted to say that one for those of who are listening later hearing the difference between somebody who's still kind of acute like Lindy is who's like really kind of still in the thick of things and and navigating these intense emotions as opposed to Caitlin and Tiffany who have done a lot of you know like certainly two years ago might have sounded like that or three or four years ago you can hear in the tone of voice about how um, what an acute experience is still, or something that still feels very acute, as opposed to something that's kind of been navigated a little bit more and laid to rest. And so when you, Lindy, go and talk to people about this or want, you know, want to get more support, listen for the response of that, like, kind of calmness, because what can happen is if somebody's still caught in an acute cycle themselves and you share what's going on with you, they're not going to be able to hold steady for you. And then it'll, like, spiral instead of being a healing spiral. It'll just keep winding up, 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 up. And then there's, like, kind of a histrionic to it, as opposed to somebody who's, like, real steady and doesn't get hooked by their own... Um, maybe um, they don't get hooked by their own experiences that still are unresolved or as resolved as anything can be like this. Because what, because what from the outside looking in and not just in your experience, but other folks, it's like you've all, you've lived through an assault, you know, like, yeah, you had this baby, good for you, but you've lived through an assault. So every birthday, what is it? Yay. This, you know, two year, four year, 12 year anniversary of being assaulted. Right. Um, in the case of an obstetrical violence, which could be perpetuated by either a, uh, a midwife or a um, um, OB. So anyway, just for those of who are listening later, listen, going to somebody who when you go to share your experience, they hold steady, they're not triggered, they have like a steadiness in their voice and any, and they can empathize and cry and be there with you, but there's this like this centeredness about them. And there's two tools that I wanted to mention right now. One is called Birth Story Medicine. And you can go to, uh, I think it's Birth Story Listening is the website. And you can look for people who have gone through birth story training. And locally, we have a woman named Joanna who does it. Um, and maybe some other folks now. But I went to Birth Story Medicine training and it was excellent. It was up in, uh, it was in Abiquiu, New Mexico. And it was with Pam England who wrote P Birthing From Within, who also Birthing From Within has a bunch of good, um, like art projects to help do stuff and that's something you can like sling your kids a couple of crayons and work on your own stuff too i want to say shout out for that and then the next thing is dr b just went through this training called brain spotting and it's a way to do to process trauma where you don't relive every little moment every footstep every whatever so birth story medicine is about looking or birth story listening is like looking for the the lesson in the medicine and crossing the bridge to healing that's what that is but it is intense and you do go through the experiences and then brain spotting is like let me just kind of navigate this on a neurological level and like let it go so those are two resources and i know that dr b does brain spotting and i know that dr b might not have a long ass waiting list right now so you could get on with her and i'll make sure that i put her stuff in the show notes and i can uh, put it in the chat box right now so birth story medicine and then also brain spotting yeah also dr b is virtual so um she does all virtual telehealth medicine because i i posted on your post about this group too um so, and she's very reasonable. I saw her for two years. So just as a heads up, she really helped me work through my birth trauma um, at the pace I was willing to, at the pace I needed to go. And she just got two students or a student and a half or something. So Dr. B is leveling up from just being the provider that always has a long ass waiting list to having students that she's pre, you know, precepting and teaching how to um, do therapy in kind of that punk rock yet inclusive way that she does. So that's good. And of course she's my sister, right? So I'm like all about it, but <laughs> total transparency. <laughs> and so she does one-on-one, -on -one, is that right? <clears throat> She wanted to come to group today, but she had a day where she started at 9 a.m. and finishes at 7. So I made her take a lunch break instead of coming to group. So I actually live in my sister's backyard. I'm Right now I'm um, in an Airstream. This is where I live, is an Airstream. 
And I stayed home from the clinic today so I could uh, hang out with the dog. I'll hopefully edit this part out of the podcast. But anyway, so like I just run inside. I'm like, you're not coming to group. It's cool. You just like go back, do whatever you're doing, put your feet up. I think she's watching an episode of Ghost Hunters or something, which I find very frightening, but she can only watch it like with the lights on and somebody else's home and all that shit. So, but that's how I was with Breaking Bad. Let's just do a quick aside about junkie TV shows that nobody should watch. But Breaking Bad, when it first came on, I would watch it and I would watch it in the afternoon. And then I had to like, like I would watch it at night. And then it was like, okay, I had to watch it in the afternoon when the first he kills that guy with a plate then he like okay then i can only watch it in the afternoon then i could only watch it if trey was home and then i could only watch it when in the afternoon when trey was home and then i can only watch it in the afternoon when trey was home when i could see him you know and then i was like throwing this is ridiculous because then i was holding the dog you know like trey had to be in line of sight i had to hold the dog it had to be afternoon all lights i was like what is this shit so anyway junkie tv shows for the win but maybe not ones that you have to watch with the lights on and stuff but that's what dr b is doing right now she has somebody has to be home and the lights have to be on middle of the afternoon. So what does anybody else like to confess about a junkie TV show that they're watching? Does it count if I'm watching uh, with my kid video gamers? <laughs> Just watching them play. <laughs> That's what I watch. Barry and I are watching Clone Wars so that we can get through all like seven or eight seasons to watch like the next cartoon of Star Wars or whatever. But like, if I want something just to like zone out on, it's always HGTV, Hidden Potential. And there's a new one where he renovates vacation homes and he makes them like all themed. Oh, it's great. We always have the office on repeat around here. And now that Netflix is taking it away, my husband went and bought the DVDs so that we are never without the office <laughs> at our house. Uh, I, I hate to make this all about me today, but if, uh, <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so <clears throat> in addition to that traumatic experience with my daughter, um, I also had a miscarriage at 14 and a half weeks. Um, that I still hold really close to me because I'm sure like lots of moms, I wonder if there's anything I could have done to prevent it. Um, and so uh, if y'all have any, I'm sure a lot of the similar things kind of overlap regarding that and processing through it. Um, but we found out after that I, I have some autoimmune issues that contributed to lots and lots and lots of pregnancy complications. And yes, sweetie. Um, uh, so, um, okay, the little one needs me now. I'm still going to be here, but I'll be on mute if anybody has any input. <clears throat> well, I think this is a good topic because Chrissy Teigen just had, or Chrissy Teigen just had a miscarriage that's all over the news right now. And Chrissy Teigen, like, God bless her, man, because, um, you know, everybody... I mean, people who are like loaded into conspiracy theory, like send her hate mail all the time, which may or may not have contributed to this miscarriage. And then uh, and then having a, a public uh, miscarriage, which I think it's even like miscarriage month or something October is or something like that. But I myself have only been pregnant once and I had a miscarriage at like eight weeks um, and I was doing a, a surrogacy for a friend. Ow, cat's biting me. So but I remember being like, oh, well, this is a bummer. But like, it wasn't the biggest thing ever. I was mostly bummed for my friend because she was really into it, but it wasn't hard or whatever. But that is not the experience I see with most of my patients. Some people are like, like so devastated. It's as if, as if it was a full-term birth, even if it was like eight weeks or six weeks or whatever. And then some people are just like, eh, you know, come, easy come, easy go. So like, it's such an individual experience. And I think uh, we got to meet people where they're at and how they feel because it's their body, their experience, and their their loss. So that's my experience. But Caitlin or Tiff, go ahead and share whatever you want to share, please. I personally haven't been through a miscarriage. Um, I know one of my other providers has been through quite a lot. I know friends that have been through a lot. Um, and they, the only thing that is the same between them all is that they all processed it differently. Um, 
every single one of them. I know one person has been through a lot of IVF um, and never was able to conceive. And so she grieves those, those pregnancies very differently. Um, but I, I think the, the main thing is that it, if you feel like you need to grieve over that pregnancy, um, that that is important and that it is okay to grieve that loss. Um, and that there's no shame in grieving that loss at all. There's no, but yeah, there's no shame in grieving something you wanted. So take the time and, and, and grieve for, for your loss. Well, you said you've, so you've had many miscarriages. So dedicate a little bit of time to whatever, whatever that is. And I know it's impossible with kids. You know, it is, it's really hard. But it's also just as important so that you can feel more present with your kids. Because right, healthy mom helps have a healthy family. And sometimes taking care of ourselves is really important so that we can continue to take care of our kids to the best of our abilities. I also have never um, experienced a miscarriage. Um, the other night we watched the movie Up and it's a kid's cartoon and it that kind of has some like more advanced themes. Um, they get married and they try to have a baby and they, they show the two, the couple like painting the nursery and then it shows the woman sad at the doctor. So I had to explain to Lily, she's like, what happened to the baby? Where's the baby? And, you know, it just came out. She lost the baby. What do you mean she lost it? Where did it go? And, you know, we're watching the movie. So it came up later at bedtime when she had more questions. And I tried to explain best I could. And she's like, why does that happen? And I said, I don't know, honey. It just does. It happens sometimes. And I, you know, I was honest with her. I was like, it's never happened to me, but it's happened to people that we love. And it's really hard because the baby was never able to be born. Um, and it was so odd to have to explain something like that to a six-year-old, especially when I've never had that type of experience. Um, but mostly I just wanted to say that like, it's so hard to get off of the what if spiral because I mean, it, it can be for any situation, especially any traumatic situation. But um, I think that's probably the hardest thing to let go of or to stop doing to yourself, at least for me, is the what ifs. Uh, <clears throat> because, you know, it's all questions that we don't know and it's a completely different reality that these what ifs exist and really at least for me it's just torture so i try not to go there especially when i'm already sad or things haven't um worked themselves out or healed um that's probably one of the most difficult things to deal with um with any situation that hasn't gone as planned or um, the way that you wanted. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> I uh, shortly, shortly after I had that miscarriage, man, seven, eight years ago, I went to speak to a grief counselor and he said, you know, oftentimes we'll see people do this acute grieving until the anniversary of you know, uh, the instance happens, whatever it is, and then, you know, kind of the, those emotions will subside. And I've, I've discovered that ever since my, uh, my little one, uh, the little girl 
who's two, that a lot of this has started coming up again now that I have a daughter in my arms because the miscarriage, she was a little girl and um, we named her Hannah. And so now that I, I have a daughter here with me, uh, I've been reflecting a lot and um, Uh, sorry, I'm just going in a tangent now. You said something and I was going to reply directly to it and I haven't. Um, what is it? The, the what ifs, the parallel universes, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a mind exercise for sure. And it, uh, you know, I feel like I just want some sort of resolution or a reason or culpability or, or or blame or something to validify her life, something somehow that doesn't just dust her under the rug. Does that make sense? Um, but I also don't need to torture myself in, in the process. So I guess I'm finding through chatting with you guys, I've got, got a little bit more emotional work to do. <laughs> I appreciate all that, guys. I really do. Just trying to find that road, you know, which way do I go with it? Who do I, who do I consult? <laughs> Maybe I need to talk to Dr. B. Is that her name? Is that right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, if you're finding that you want to find a way to memorialize the daughter you lost, do that with your kids too um, and tell them about her um, if that's something you would want to do or or um, so this is not even close to the same but I lost my mom um, when I or when my when my oldest was seven months old um, so she wasn't there for my second birth but something I have done in my house um, is I have like just one shelf. I don't have like my whole house dedicated to my mom, but I have like a bookshelf of things that are dedicated to her, like her perfumes and some pictures. And when I really miss her, I could, I have like a spot I can go and just kind of sit with my mom. Um, and in that way, I still honor her. And then I have, and then it's there and my kids come up and ask, you know, Hey, who's this a picture of? Or and I get like uh, two minutes to explain, like, oh, this is this is who this was, and this is what it meant to me. Um, and I I find that helpful because it it's like a a physical place I can go, but it's also like a conversation starter for my kids because you know neither of them actually got to know who that person was. Um, you know, my my oldest has a few pictures with my mom, but it's only till the age of seven months and then that's that's it you know so um and then the other thing is i've regularly seen um an article and it's called the grief box and the concept is that there's a a box and there's a pain button and that there's a little ball that rolls around inside the box and the ball can change in size and so like every, you know, um, immediately after an event, that ball um, is huge and you feel like you can't walk around carrying the box without it bumping that pain button at all. And sometimes that pain ball can get a little bit smaller and it hits you at random points and you don't know where it came from. Um, and sometimes you know exactly where it came from, like if there's a birthday or something like that. And that's the best way I've seen grief is that it never really goes away. Um, you just find other ways of, of handling it or it's smaller on certain days and really big on certain days, um, but that we need to take some time to just even acknowledge it. And by acknowledging it, it starts to, to get a little smaller, if that makes any sense at all. That's a great analogy. Thank you for that. It's a very, very visual and uh, that's a good one. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'll include that in the show notes. 
I wanted to say also that for th folks who may be going through a miscarriage right now, to um, care for yourself in the same way that you would for a live birth, right? You want to make sure that you still take your prenatal vitamins, that you do things to support your body because you're going to have a postpartum period. So we all know that after and during a postpartum period, it's a time of intense healing, right? And so giving yourself all the building blocks to keep healing, your physical self will help keep your mental health um, as steady as possible during a, a deeply upsetting time for a lot of people. So I just wanted to shout out to keep taking care of your physical self as best you can while your emotional self um, goes through these emotions. So here's a question. I don't know if, if we covered this at all, but um, do, do you guys ever talk about breastfeeding? Yeah, okay. And because that's when you said take care of yourself, I'm like, okay, well, I've got a two-year-old. I'm still nursing through the night. <laughs> and man, this poor mom is just exhausted physically. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, <clears throat> And I guess that's what a, a lot of what I'm struggling with personally is trying to figure out how, uh, how, how do I find time to do the emotional work and to take care of myself physically so I can get my head above the water, you know, um, because honestly, guys, this is the longest I've had a conversation with somebody uninterrupted. I can't tell you how long, <laughs> you know, I'm the magically got. The, the girl on my breast right now and my son is singing music in the background and it's nice to be talking to adults uninterrupted um and uh and I, I know people say well you just make time well <laughs> so if anybody has any great ideas that would be wonderful too do you have a partner <clears throat> or are you a single mom or do you have help regularly of any kind? Lindy, do you have a partner or help of any kind on any kind of regular basis? Uh, okay, well, in, um, so, I have a husband and um, after my first was born, I think he was a year and a half, a year or something. Um, he came home and he plays hockey here. He used to before COVID um, play hockey once a week and he'd come home and go, man, you just, you look so tired. You need, you need a break too. So then he would start giving me um, an hour where he would take the kids and I could go out and do whatever, or it became a night. Like I would get one night a week to go out and do what I needed to do. I don't have that because of COVID right now. So neither of us have our, our time away. Um, but what we are finding is even just sequestering ourselves for one hour, once a week, a piece helps a lot. Like he can handle putting the kids to bed one night a week. He can handle, you know, doing dinner one night a week so that I can go take care of myself for one hour. And I can do whatever I want in that one hour. I lock the bedroom door, whatever. And that's, that's been our, our saving grace so that I feel like I have any, any time to do any of, of those things, you know, and um, find a way to take care of myself the way I need to within the constraints of COVID. I was um, feeling super isolated after my second child was born. Um, we only had one car and my husband would take it to work. So I was like literally stuck at home with both of my kids. And um, having this group, which I made time for and continue to do so by, you know, making sure that everyone else in the family is good for the next hour so that I can come and have mom group. And then I have mom night, which has also like kind of been shuffled around because of COVID. Um, but um, I ha like I have to schedule it myself 
because no one else is going to do it for me. And if I don't schedule it and make a plan, it's not going to happen. And that, you know, that's just for me personally. So, um, and really that is for like anything that I wanted to do as an adult that, you know, is separate from my kids. Um, I had a really hard time coming back to myself as a person and, you know, like remembering that I was a person first before I was a mother. Um, and it, it does take time, but it also takes consistency. Like if you're going to schedule an appointment or an hour, make it the same hour every week. And even if you don't have anything to do, like she said, close the door and read a book or, you know, like still take that time for yourself because it's those times when I, I, I didn't schedule anything or I didn't make it a priority. And then it was like three weeks went by and I'm feeling scatterbrained and crazy and taking it out of my kids. So um, at least for me, it was something that I had to definitely schedule. And if it didn't work with the schedule, then it, you know, it got shifted around because it was so important to me to have that time to myself. Pre-COVID, one of the best things I ever heard was get a YMCA membership and put them in the daycare and then just sit on the sofa and read a book. Like, you know, walk around the track four times and then just sit on a sofa and like take your full hour or however long you could stick them in daycare for, you know, like get your good hygiene on and do all this stuff. So I thought that was really smart. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. And then also of all people, Nora Roberts, who's like a, you know, a cheesy romance writer, she said something and then it really spurred i've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately so nora roberts has this quote that i heard from somebody else but that she said the key to being writing her nine million cheesy love books that she's probably a gazillionaire good for you nora is that she is always scheduling or throwing you know she's always juggling a bunch of balls but she had to decide the balls were going to fall like a ball some balls are going to fall every day and the thing was to notice which ones were glass and which ones are plastic the dishes didn't get done plastic ball it'll bounce fuck it you'll figure it out tomorrow but a glass ball which would be like her mom was like transitioning with cancer or something like she had to be there for her mom it was finite that was important to her everything else could go to hell but she needed to be there for her mom so when we think about plastic balls versus glass balls and juggling and thinking about nursing like and i want to just suggest to you like look at your nursing goals you know, like your breastfeeding goals. So I'm going to breastfeed for two and a half years. I'm going to breastfeed till we naturally, I'm going to breastfeed until I can see that, as Beverly said one day, that the gains for my mental health um, outweighed the loss that the perceived loss that my baby could be having, right? So what is the plastic ball and what is the glass ball? Because something is going to drop. That's just, you know, that's a known fact. What can you live with? What would you can't? Because we got to at some point decide that we're the glass ball, right? And nobody's going to take care of our glass ball the way, you know, because everybody, you know, moms are not even considered plastic. They're considered disposable styrofoam balls that, you know, like, who cares? You know, just like throw them away, whatever. Nobody's going to prioritize the glass ball like you will with yourself. So I just want to throw that out in that um, a good place to start, in my opinion, and this is me talking a little bit as a CPM and, and Ms. Wife, is decide what your nursing goals are. And sometimes if you know there's a finite time on that, like, okay, I'm at two years, I'm going to go to two years and two months, or I'm going to do whatever, or we're just going to go to, you know, one time at night, or just for comfort, whatever your goal is. But knowing sometimes that there's an end inside, and then you can enjoy these last little bits as opposed to, fuck, this is going to go on forever, you know. So I just want to throw that out there. And I also want to advocate that um, for folks who are still nursing, who are listening to this later, that you look at your nutrition, make sure that you're getting enough nutrition, that you're getting enough water, that you're getting enough calories, that you're getting enough nutritional support, and that if you're feeling run down and tired, that you get your thyroid assessed and also your iron levels assessed. So doubling up on prenatals or, you know, you're, you're in charge of your body, but making sure you're getting enough nutrition out for the nutrition, the nutrition in that's matching the nutrition that's leaving your body. And then also energetically, when we think about Tiffany's time, you know, and Caitlin's time locked in a room where they're just reading their book or whatever, they're refilling their own well so that they can uh, share it. And I heard the best thing, which this is like so aspirational for a person who just had a baby, but 
we're not supposed to fill other people from, you know, like when we talk about the half empty cup or the full cup or whatever, that we can't share from a cup. Dude, I don't want to share from the cup. I want to share from the saucer. So if you have a teacup, then the tea's flowing over onto the saucer. That's what I'm sharing with everybody else. You know, what's in the saucer? Because I need what's in the cup to maintain the part of me that is rowing. And I, and I acknowledge that all my kids are old. Like my youngest child is 25. So, and I'm, I'm 20 or I'm 50 myself, but <clears throat> So my kids are old now, so this isn't as daunting as for those of you guys who are in the trenches, you know, but I just want to remind you, how can you fill your cup up so high that it's not like, oh, I've got some dregs in here, but it's overflowing into the saucer because when I overflowed in the saucer, I was the best parent ever. I was the jam, right? But when I only had a little bit in my cup or my cup was only half full, man, I was the biggest bitch ass, terrible parent and also a terrible partner. So I just want to encourage everybody to like, I don't care what plastic balls have to bounce. You know, if you're filling your own cup, then I, that's a worthy cost. That's, that's an acceptable cost to me. So Lindy, right now, what we do since we're wrapping up is I want to say thanks for coming to group. And I want to say thanks for just like, you know, holding your heart out. And normally, unless somebody says don't publish this part, we just publish the podcast as is. So I don't think that's anything that you want me to take out today. Um, just let me know later if you do. And, um, I want to say uh, thank you for everybody for being vulnerable and supportive today and Tiff and Caitlin who are like original OG people of this group. You know, sometimes we have like eight people, sometimes we have no people. Um, where uh, Sarita is one of our people that's um, fixing to be due. So uh, hopefully we'll get Sarita back and she can talk about having her baby. But to, as far as I know, she hasn't delivered yet. So, okay. Well now, Lindy, what we do is we uh, unmute ourselves and we tell everybody that we love each other and that we'll see you next week. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Unmute yourselves. Love all you right, guys. everybody. Love you guys. I'll oh, see you next Have a great week. Thank you so much. We did it. Day. Yay. Thanks for coming to group. Are you wanting to join in the conversation but keep missing us live? Then sign up for text reminders at www.preggers.rocks. That's www.preggers.rocks. And we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Oh, thank you.